Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Taylor, Corey, Carly, and Alyssa, giving you all the tips to be the best teacher possible. All right, ladies, are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Today's topic is learning how to support ELL students who have experienced trauma and how our classrooms as teachers can be a safe place for them to grow and learn. All right, so before we give you the tips and strategies you're going to want to use in your classroom, we're probably going to want to talk about what trauma is to get you kind of in the groove of things. It's important to realize that trauma is not a one-and-done type of situation. It's continuously altering the lives of the children that are affected until it's properly addressed and processed, and then finally the healing process can take place. There are many types of trauma that students can face. Some of the ex examples that I was thinking of are physical, sexual, or verbal abuse, along with physical and emotional neglect, which is really big in children. Yeah, and I'm also just like thinking about, you know, like parents who are maybe alcoholics or are addicted to other drugs or even, you know, witnessing a mother who has like experienced abuse or is experiencing abuse in the home right now. And sometimes along with the mother who's experienced abuse that um, sometimes the father does go to jail. So having a family member in jail is a big one. And then um, also the loss of a parent due to death or abandonment. And this can also include abandonment by parental divorce. You know, I've also been thinking too, um, mental illness or depressed suicidal person in the home can cause a lot of trauma as well. And these are, I mean, we really named a lot, but these are just a few examples of what trauma can be. Just as we know that children all learn differently, they're also going to respond to these different types of trauma in many different ways. There was actually a study that I read once by Michael Medley, and he talks about the traumatic stress and how it can be broken into three symptoms. He describes these symptoms as hyperarousal, re-experiencing, and avoidance. So you said for like the three symptoms and stuff, they were hyperarousal, re-experiencing, and avoidance. With that, are there any other symptoms that go with um, these impacts that the students can have in and outside of the classroom? Um, yeah, actually, there are some major cognitive effects that impact the child both inside and outside of the classroom. That's really important to be aware of. Some of the things that Michael Medley mentioned again in his article was that these cognitive, cognitive effects um, impair their memory. Like that's one of the symptoms they may face. They may have some decision-making skills and that might be altered and not as efficient. Their attention is might be lower than others and their conceptual reasoning skills are not as advanced. So what about like their behavior and stuff like that? How do you think we can go about that? Yeah, the behavioral aspects of a child as an educator, you're really going to want to know. And it's something that you're going to want to focus on, especially with these children with trauma and they're not the same for every child, just as how every child doesn't experience it in the same way. But some of the things that you might realize and recognize in a lot of children are aggressive behaviors towards others, withdrawal or isolation. They might um, be attention-seeking behaviors, things that you might not want in the classroom just to get attention. They may have difficulty trusting others, and I'm sure there's much more that you're going to realize as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, I've never I, – that's a lot, and that's good to know. Yeah, I was also thinking, though, how about ELL students who are facing troubles with immigration? How are they at risk for this trauma? ELL students are facing a really high risk for trauma, especially with immigration things. There are a lot of things happening during that process that can affect them in many ways. And a child that is ELL, it may not be proficient in English, and they may not be able to communicate to you the hard times that they're experiencing and how it's affecting them. So it's really important to acknowledge 
their home life and background in order to provide support for them. And as an educator, you always should know you should not assume a child is not intelligent or that they're not trying until you really are aware of their entire situation. That's a really good insight. I think that's a, something that a lot of us teachers can take with us. So thanks yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. So, yeah, that's a good basis of what trauma is. Where do you guys think we should go next with this? Um, I think we should start talking about strategies that we as teachers can use in the classroom to help our ELL students um, better prepare for trauma that can happen inside the school. So I found this article from a website called Language Castle called Considering Children Who Are DLLs or Dual Language Learners in Emergency Planning. Um, Really quick, dual language learners and English language learners are the same thing, just different wording for it. Um, So one of the first couple of things that the article suggests is to establish class buddies and establish family buddies. So you would be pairing the student, the ELL student with another student who hopefully is able to speak that language or has some kind of understanding of the language that um, the ELL is proficient in this way. They can talk to one another and the older student can let the newer student know what is going on in an emergency. And the same thing with the family buddies pairing families together who are able to communicate better just to let each other know what's going on in emergencies at school. And I like that also because it makes them feel safe knowing that there's someone else that, you know, speaks that language with them or something like that. It's not just someone. They're more comfortable in their situation. Right. And you use your resources. I mean, like students can honestly be your resources. It Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be something that you purchase or buy or an object. Like students can be that resource for you. And I think that's really important to use, especially when you have students like ELOs in your classroom. Right. Um, And then another thing that the article suggests is to create a video of your school's like fire drills. Um, I know at least in Illinois, code red. So um, if there's an active shooter, so just trying to or take videos of those things so that the kids can know what to expect and the parents can know what to expect. Um, And instead of like the ELL student just being like rushed into it, they get a chance to watch and they know what to expect. Or they're like familiar with those sounds because it might be different or something like that. And if they've already experienced that trauma, then they know, okay, this is what it's going to sound like. This is the supports that we're going to give during it. This is the like the plan that we're going to give. Right. And And I feel like that relieves a lot of anxiety too for students. You know, all of a sudden you see some kids just stand up and like run out of the classroom. Well, that student doesn't understand. Yeah, scary. Doesn't know what's going on. So that I feel like helps relieve a lot of anxiety for students as well. Yeah, that can be really scary for them. So those videos are helpful. Just having that media in the classroom too will keep them actively engaged more than just trying to comprehend words that you're telling them. To be able to visually see it is definitely going to help their comprehension. Mm -hmm. Um, So another couple of things that the article suggests is to simplify written policies that your school provides um, just so that if they do, and they more than likely will, need to be translated, um, it is a quicker translation and the parents can still understand what would happen. Um, I mean, just think about like if it was like a parent conference or something and there was an emergency going on and like those parents don't speak English, they're not going to know, you know, what to do if it's like a specific written plan that's all over the room. Right. Right. Always have an action plan ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You never know when something like that is going to happen. 
So that's really important yeah. to have those plans ready to go and for any situation. I think these translated plans should be sent out in the beginning of the school year so that the parents get a chance to read it and they can come back with any questions they have and can fully comprehend what would be expected of them yes. in yeah. an emergency, an emergency situation. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing an article, oh my goodness, the other thing that the article suggests is to use multiple means of communicating. So having like, uh, not a family tree, a calling tree. So like one family calls this family, that family calls another family. Um, you know, I, Class dojo is another thing, so the teacher can send updates on that, um, texting, emailing, um, just so that no matter what, we know that parent will be reached and they will know about and the situation going on at when school. When you also give students a piece of paper that you're more likely maybe not going to bring that <laughs> yeah. home with them. <laughs> that happened yep. many yes. times. Yes. So, so that's super good. important to do. Yeah. Um, one more thing. It says to create picture cues or a list of photos or icons for specific notices, such as a lock with the time on it to indicate, indicate school is closing early. Um, so if you do not have the opportunity to be able to translate anything, um, just having like little cue cards would be nice for that. And honestly, like a lot of children are visual learners. I mean, I was... I'm always, oh, yeah. I'm still You're a visual still, learner, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. myself. So I think that really is helpful, especially for those students who can't, who can't read those words, right. uh, visually learning, and that's going to be really helpful for them. Yeah, and then they can make that connection with like the word and the yeah. actual object. Um, it's definitely helpful for the parents too. Like yeah, if they can't communicate that schools closing early and their parents also don't speak English how are the parents going to know 